How's it going? Yo, it's Oscar Sukuyama, and welcome to a new segment of the Media Arts. Welcome to the Green Room, where we talk to actors from film, TV, and theater, and just artists in general. We are pleased to welcome our very first guest. Hello to the Honorable Hudson Yang, who recently wrapped the sixth season of the historic ABC sitcom, Fresh Off the Boat. Thanks for having me, I'm glad to be here. Hey, thanks for thanks for coming, man. Come on, it's been quite the commute here, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I had to click a couple of buttons. That was crazy. Oh, insane traffic. Come on, <laughs> but dude, Hudson, like you become such an important advocate for like Asian representation in Hollywood at such a young age. Maybe to you know gas you up just a little bit. <laughs> uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as a teenager, you have been nominated multiple times for Best Young Actor in the NAACP Image Awards and the Teen Choice Awards. Not to mention, you were on the Act to Change Advisory Council. Like, dude, come on. Like, tell me about all these amazing things that you've done so far. I mean, it's crazy. Um, I never expected anything this would happen when I started acting. And because of like this, because of like, it's actually Teen Choice Awards, it's incredible. Um, I got to meet so many awesome people and some people that I've dreamed of meeting since I was like a little, little boy. Uh, like I met Chris Pratt in the Teen Choice Awards and I shook his hand and I just, my hand was like, I'm never watching it again. It was crazy. And like every event is just, it's mind blowing to, like, to think that I was like nominated to be there. Cause there's so many incredible actors and talents there who just outshine me in every way. And I'm like, oh God, I don't even want to read this. Like, I don't even want to walk the red carpet after these guys. They're so cool. It's crazy. But, hey, but yeah. I mean, you, you see them as role models, but like they see you as an equal at the same time. So it's like, <laughs> how does that make you feel, man? Like, I feel like I, that's pretty awesome in my mind. It's, it's really cool. It's really awesome. Man, having, having your role models as friends, no big deal, you know, but you know, uh, just... <laughs> dude. So like you started, you started off young, going up on the Hollywood lot, doing fresh off the boat. Like, tell me about like, auditioning for the show did you like you're eddie huang in the show but did you initially audition for eddie huang no so i've said the story tons of times but basically what happened was that was my like second audition or like third or fourth maybe like it was my early audition and i didn't really knew know what i was doing so i went into audition for emery right and i was like okay. the middle brother and i was like fine with that i was having fun and i left the room wishing everybody else like telling everyone else that they should get the role like good luck everyone help you get it uh which was weird <laughs> Because you don't really want your, uh, the other people to get the role instead of you. But I did. And I think, I don't know, they were like, oh, that's kind of confusing. He's kind of weird. Um, but then Eddie Huang, the actual executive producer at the time, saw my like casting table and was like, hey, Hudson Yang, he says his dad works for Wall Street Journal. He knew my dad. So he was like, oh, Jeff Yang. So he went, he messaged my dad. And he was like, yo, Jeff, is your son just for my show? Because he's definitely not right for that role. And my dad was like, oh, geez, that was kind of harsh. You don't have to say that. Like, that, that's kind of mean. But no, what he meant was that instead of playing Emery, I should play Eddie. So basically my entire career is <laughs> thanks to Eddie Huang, who's a really cool guy. And yeah, it was really interesting actually, because then I came in with a bunch of chemistry reads and I had no clue what I was doing the whole time. I just sat by the snack bar eating all the whole time until they called me to do some acting. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I got to skip school. So yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So you went in for Emery. That's interesting. And Let's be real, like, it wasn't your dad who got you the role. Your dad may have been a nice connection, but everything <laughs> about you got you that role, dude. Like, I think you yeah. you portray it so well. I'm, I'm going to gas you up one more time. Like, it's <laughs> thank been you, cool thank to you. see you just, like, grow into that role. And it's just, yeah, I think they did an amazing job casting and they made the right decision. But you were talking about uh, Eddie Huang. And so, yeah. so once you got the role, 
did he like reach out to you or like how did you start preparing for the role yeah the first yeah so after i got the role um the show kind of hooked me up with like, hey, you should go meet Eddie Huang so you can like see who you're talking to, who you're acting for. And so we went to the mall and we're hanging out. We got some food and we're just walking around. And oh my God, Eddie, Eddie Huang is a class actor. He's so funny. He's such a cool guy. I was at the time nine years old and he was walking around like just doing what he does. He doesn't got a filter. He's like, oh yeah, that girl's hot, bro. Like when you, when you look at the right age, I'll help you out. You know, this, look at that girl's legs. I was like, oh my God, I was so embarrassed because I, no, I had no interest in that. But he was just like talking it off. And at one point he asked me, yo, you got a console or something? I was like, oh no, my parents don't buy stuff like that. And so he just walks into a Microsoft store and he's like, all right, stay here for a second. And just buys an Xbox. And I was like, what the heck? Bro, how do you, why would you do that? It's like, and I turned him down. I, he, I said, you keep the Xbox because I can't take that from you. That's too much. It's too much. But I mean, he's just, I figured out, from that very moment, what kind of character Eddie was. He was like an outgoing, kind of no filter, just cool guy who does what he wants. And I mean, Jesus, he was like, it was a crazy experience. I'll never forget that. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> Buying you an, trying, to, trying to buy you an Xbox first day you yeah. meet Basically, he made you yeah. awesome. Yeah. Man, so like, I mean, your role, Eddie Huang, and also the guy, Eddie Huang, has a big 90s hip hop, you know, influence. So I was yeah. wondering, like, did Eddie teach you and like, how does like, or did he like educate you on like the history and did, and like, how does that affect your current music interest nowadays? Um, well, he didn't teach me how to like, to teach me a lot about the nineties. I learned a lot of that from the show, oh, okay. but surprisingly, like it really has influenced my taste in music. Like I listen to a lot of rap now, especially nineties rap. I have a lot of Biggie, uh, Tupac and Wu-Tang Clan in my playlists and not many of my friends actually like that music. So it's kind of, kind of iffy, but I mean, I don't know. I think it has made a memorable impact on me and my music taste. For sure. I mean, so you're listening to all these 90s rappers. Like, yeah. are you like any current rappers as well? Are you like, no, I stick with the old guys. Those are my homies. No, guys. of course, like my old, the old rappers too. I think some of the cool ones I listen to is uh, like Eminem, um, uh, 7M, uh, Jax, uh, Logic. I mean, listen to like all the, the – the popular ones now too it's just that most of my playlists is still 90s rappers no i feel that i always go back to my old playlist when i'm like i just want to get back in that mood no totally and so i mean the thing is like in the show you would come in doing some you know at you guys would call you know pimp walks and whatnot you just be strutting around showing off your stuff so you know were you ever like any type of a dancer back in the day or did you like do you think the role helped you become more like fluid and lucid on the on the camera I, mean, I was never a dancer. Even the, even the dancers <laughs> that did on the show are kind of yikes. But I mean, yeah, I my my coordination is kind of trash. <laughs> I tried taking dance classes at one time, and oh my goodness, it was the worst thing ever. I just my dance probably just got worse after that show. Uh, I mean, if you think it's worse, I feel like that's just gonna leave great memories down the road. You're like, oh, when I was yeah. eight, ten years old, they caught me trying to dance, but. <laughs> Now just, I mean, no, the funny thing you. is, every dance we've done in that show, they hired like a personal dance coach to sit there and teach me for like two hours a day. Two hours, <laughs> wow. And I was, I still wasn't good enough. Like, I don't know, like an hour, but I still wasn't that good. It was a mess. Man, so you had a dancing coach, but like, I remember you saying earlier that like, this is like one of your first times almost like acting. Did you have like an yeah. acting coach as well? I did. And the funny thing is the main thing that he was like working for, it's not like, oh, I'm not a good actor. It was my speed. And I still have it today. I never really got over it, but I talk way too fast. And when I talk fast, I can't tell. 
like it sounds like I'm talking really, really slow when I talk at a normal pace. And so every single director who has ever worked with me has always at one point in time said, Hudson, slow down. And I'm like, it's, it's a mess. But yeah, I had an acting coach. He's a really great guy. And I still keep in touch with him. We go out to eat a lot. He's, uh, probably, he's, like, he's been with me since I was super young. And he's probably one of the biggest influences on my acting career and my personal like, development. Uh, yeah. His name is Mark Schwartz. Great guy. Schwartz. Name sounds really familiar. talented, too. Really Dude, talented. That's awesome. You still have like a great relationship with him too. And that's, that's a solid yeah. friendship. But so like yeah. you said, you were talking too fast. I have the same, pro I'm probably talking too fast right now. Let's be real. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I feel like when I talk fast, I'm just excited. And so like, and let's be real, fresh off the boat, very historic show, especially for the Asian yeah. community, Asian Hollywood. But were there any storylines that you were super excited about in particular that like, that were like, Oh my God, like I really relate to this. <laughs> I mean, I think I was very young, so I didn't really, like, know how much, how important it was at the time. So the only thing I was excited for was, like, oh, Jeremy Lin's going to be on the show. Oh, Shaq's going to be on the show. Oh, my God. I mean, back then, I didn't care about sports at all. The only thing I cared about was Jeremy Lin. <laughs> like, like, I was a Lin Sanity fan from day one because of my dad, of course. And then, like, I learned about Shaq and Scott and all these guys from the show, from my friends, and that's when I kind of got hyped up about him. But for certain, like – Jeremy Lin made my day. I, I was like, when I first met him too, I was sitting in the wardrobe, the haircut trailer, and I was getting um, my hair like shaved, right? Because I had to get like that, that one episode where I had to get Eddie money in the back of my head. <laughs> yeah. um, I was sitting there getting that cut into my hair and Jeremy Lin just walks in behind me and starts watching my hair get cut. And I was like, what? It was crazy. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. You know, technically he won like a uh, NBA championship last year with the Raptors, right? <laughs> like, yeah. so I mean, it's just like you saw him probably like right before he won a championship in a sense. And now he's just like, you gave him the luck to carry his team to the championship. <laughs> that's oh, what I'm man, hearing. Yeah. It was the haircut. It was e, e, e it was fresh. The haircut. It was the haircut. Yeah. But okay, that, okay, so Jeremy Lin is awesome. Like, I know you, I was about to say Shaq probably because, you know, your character loves Shaq and how can yeah. you not love Shaq? Shaq is just such a big influence in our culture nowadays. Like he's been in yeah. the spotlight since I was a kid, since you were born, essentially. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's kind of, and it's kind of hard to miss Shaq. He's 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 a little tall. Nothing he's big. a big guy. You know? Yeah. It was funny too, cause like another thing that we did with Shaq was at one point I think he was like trying to wrestle like that year. I don't know what happened to that. But we challenged me, Forrest, and Ian all challenged him to a wrestling battle, <laughs> three on one. And we ran over to him, like, not, not like, randomly, but he ran over to us. And he just, like, you know, picked us up one by one with one hand each. And just stacked us in a pile and walked away. And I was like, this is looking funny. Like, he's a nice guy. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> I can only imagine that right now. Just, like, yeah. wow. And you, how old were you when, how old were you when, like, Shaq was on the show, essentially? Must have been, like, 11, 12 years old. Like, I was tiny. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Dude. I mean, that's, that's another great point to see, too, because, like, you started the show when you were 10. And then, like the world did the the u.s the world sees you grow up on the show and so you start how tall yeah. were you when you started the show let's be real oh i think i was like four like eight four ten maybe and then at, by like the end of season six how, how tall are you right by then like as uh, six two is like kind of ridiculous yeah see i don't see i can see Shaq picking you up earlier in the season but like yeah if he came on later on i couldn't see him picking you up at that point he might need he might need two hands at that point he might need two okay hands. two hands one on each side of the ears just <laughs> <Got> you, <laughs> <man>. my head <laughs> no i mean that's awesome you're getting picked up by Shaq as a kid i feel like yeah i mean did that ever like encourage did, 
do you like sports now? Like, cause he said, I mean, you don't have to like sports now, but it's just like, you had a lot of different yeah. sports influences on the show. Did that encourage like how the music influenced your nineties? Did yeah. like, you start watching more basketball, more sports? I definitely like didn't like sports back then. You know, I was a, I was a chubby kid. I hated moving around. I hated like watching people move around. <laughs> um, but like I did martial arts and that was the one thing. But then now, I mean, uh, I, I've been like doing a lot of sports. I've been playing a lot of basketball, volleyball, I'm trying to, I want to play football so bad, but every time I try to, my parents freak out. Cause like, Oh my God, you're gonna get a concussion. I'm like, not if I play. Right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So I want to do, I love sports. I mean, I don't like watching them as much as playing them because you know, it's just more fun to play and like run around. But I mean, I have been watching more basketball and watching a little bit just to like learn how to play Betty. Dude, totally. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny you said that about football. Cause my parents said the same exact thing. They're like, you're going to break your leg. You're, gonna, you're not going to be yeah. smart enough for school. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. But I mean, so you, you, you mentioned that like when you were young, you were like, oh, I didn't really know that Fresh Out the Boat was like a historic show. But like yeah. during your time, like on the scene growing up and like understand, like did, did, when did you figure out that like Fresh Off the Boat was like, Fresh Off the Boat, Fresh Off the Boat was like a historic show? I mean, my dad kind of drilled it into my head every oh. single day. Like I was like, I wasn't listening to him for the first year. I was like, okay, yeah, dad, I get it. It's historic because you got the first show canceled, right? <laughs> kind of roasting them a little bit. But um, I think after like, the second season is when I really like picked up on like, wait a second, that's not joking. This is like a big deal for people. This is like historic. The first full Asian American cast in 20 years and it's doing pretty well. Kind of crazy. And that's when I started like really thinking about my position right now. I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of, I'm kind of like, I kind of have to do something. I kind of use my platform and as, like even though I was still kind of crazy and still kind of mental as a kid, I, I did start to pick up on like the responsibility that I had, and that's when things kind of changed slowly. But yeah, oh totally. Like I've I read some of your dad's papers before, and like he wrote like a really good one about uh right during the George Floyd Floyd death about Asians speaking up and like Asian like how we've had such like a passive history of just like not speaking up up against injustice. Yeah. In so like it seems like your dad really nailed that into you, but were there other influences that you like to credit your parents for, for like how you were able to see the show or see the role that you did? I mean, everything. My mom always has to say that she's basically real life Jessica. Cause she is, I mean, she's got a lot in common with that character. So I kind of learned how to respond to Jessica through my mother. Um, and like, it's kind of the same as my mom, you know, my mom, my mom's parents grew up in a, working for a restaurant and, like she worked, grew up working in a restaurant. So all this kind of like history, my family kind of also helped me with my like, you know, persona on the show and with Eddie. And I also have a little brother. So I also know how to, how to get annoyed at my little brother too. My entire family has definitely helped me grow as an actor and helped me work on the show better. Oh, that's awesome. So you got, you, you learn how to pick around with like uh, Emery and Evan based on like picking on your little brother. It sounds <laughs> Yeah, like. exactly. 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 That's awesome. So it's your, your, you credit your parents for a lot of it. And it's just like, not so your your parents are awesome. That's what that's what I hear. And then they're very awesome. And then it's just also like your show parents are awesome. Constance Constance Wu and Randall Park are oh my just gosh, yeah. He, like even before the show started, they they were they were like up and coming huge names in the in Asian Hollywood yeah. Asian entertainment. For and sure. so like you credit your own parents a lot, but like what are some things that Randall Park and Constance Wu helped like guide you on? Like were they did they play like they played the parent role in the show, but did they also give you some guidance? I behind the scenes and whatnot or like what do you like to credit them for i mean they're both really really talented actors and literally just by sitting in the same room and talk listening to them talk and listening to them act has like it's just like 
it's it's mind blowing. It's incredible. It's like you learn so much just from that, right? But I mean, while they weren't like actively like like telling me exactly what to do, they were giving me notes and telling me like what's right and wrong. And they did definitely play like a parent role off, off screen too. And I I don't think I'll ever lose the bonds with those guys because they're both really really nice. And I mean, Randall is like the nicest guy in the world. It's ridiculous. Like he took like he was like on lunch break and he noticed that like the second like the person up front who was like managing people coming in and out didn't have like a clipboard so he drove to staples bought a clipboard out of his own like wallet and just like went back to like eating lunch after giving him a clipboard like he does stuff like that all the time and for no need for praise he just does it to do it because he thinks it's good and like he's one of the biggest influences for like the kind of person i want to be he's like my role model you know dude totally i mean i randall park seems like a phenomenal role model man like i think that's a great i don't think yeah i don't think i've ever seen him anything besides happy like Man. never seen him angry sad or anything he's just, just such a fun like loving guy no i mean that's that's very good and it's uh and it's good to have him as a role model too because i mean like you said you grew up on a hollywood lot which is like not the most <laughs> yeah. standard living situation for a kid your age yeah. so it's just and it's just like a lot of people can get to their head but it's just like when you have someone like randall park constance Wu there and like you're saying how generous he is like even just talking with you right now i'm like I could tell that you've, you're very humble. You're very nice in the event. And it seems like a very generous soul. So it's like, you say he's your role model. And it's like, I could tell you're a really good student. Or not a good student, it's like a good <laughs> friend you, yeah. as well. Hey, yeah, I got awesome. you. Nah, that's, you that's, that's, that's awesome. So, and not to mention, didn't Randall Park direct like the final episode of like season six? He did. And it was so crazy. It was weird too. Because as soon as he went into like direct, different person. He was like serious. He was like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. This is this, this. Like Randall Park, like Randall Park, like as Randall as as Lewis is always pop popping joke. He's laughing, he's making everyone else laugh. He's just super crazy. And then as soon as he gets into like director mode, he's serious. He's still fun, he's still really nice and happy. But he's like he's like a different person. His, I feel like when I saw him direct, his vocal cords like dropped too. He was like, this is Randall normally, it's like Randall direct. It was like really weird and trippy. But he did a great job. It was really an amazing episode. And he, like, he knew how to, like, help the actors act because he was working with us. And oh. so it just, everything went so smoothly. Like, first, like, it was awesome. It was really awesome. Oh, man. So I guess you've seen him nice. You've seen him serious. And then, like, that's, like, the yeah. two extents of his personality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's great to hear. And it's just, like, does that give you hope that you could potentially be a director as well someday? Like, you said, like, uh, you you might have projects coming up in the future, but like, would you like to direct as well? Like, or because you said Randall Parks is like one of your role models, so it's like yeah, no, definitely, I definitely want to direct at one point. I mean, I want to do everything. I want to. I've been writing a script. It's taken like three years, and I've read like nothing because you know that's what happens. But totally. I'm trying to finish it. Um, I mean, I want to write, direct, everything. I produce. It's it's just kind of like I want to try everything because it all seems so fun. So eventually, I'm gonna do it dude totally and it's also just like it's fun and it's also like you can give your voice out to the public you can they can tell your story which you know for asian let's be real it hasn't happened too often so it's like the yeah. point the point that this process has inspired you to like not only be like all right i'm fresh off the boat and i'm done you're like no nah, yeah. i'm fresh off the boat and we're keep on rowing we're going down this street. yeah exactly exactly man that's great <laughs> and so uh you want to keep, it sounds like you want to keep on working in the entertainment business, but are there other uh, interests you have in other like entrepreneurial fields? Like what, uh, like, 
I don't know. I heard that you might be like in chef school. You might own a restaurant or something. Yeah. Like, tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, I love cooking. My grand, my grandmother, my mom's side was a person who kind of made me fall in love with it. Cause she'd always cook for me and I cook with her and it was always just so much fun and relaxing and it still is relaxing. And so I decided at some point, like a couple of years back, I was like, you know what? I think I could do this as a profession. If acting doesn't work out, I'll just you know, open a restaurant or become a head chef somewhere or become a chef somewhere in general. Uh, and yeah, so I decided to take culinary classes. I'm working on my knife skills. I've been just doing everything I can to kind of become a better chef. And you know, I love it. I love it. And I do own a restaurant. I invested in a restaurant called Kong Ten. Ooh. It's a modern Vietnamese restaurant uh, off on Pico, uh, the Pico Boulevard in Los Angeles. And it's, I mean, it's delicious. You know, COVID-19 has kind of shut down most restaurants. So they're not really active and fully right now, but they do have drinks ready in the back and they, they use the parking lot as a new outdoor seating. Really great. Awesome. So. We're, we're working around things, trying to figure out how to kind of play towards the pandemic. Sweet. So it's called Kong Ten? Kong Ten. Oh, Kong yeah. Ten. Kong. No, actually, they changed the name. Sorry. I forgot we changed the name from Kong Ten to Sorry Not Sorry. Sorry Not Sorry. Yeah. yeah and you yeah. said it's a Vietnamese food or is it or modern yeah. Vietnamese or? Modern Vietnamese. It's like a, the, the, the whole idea is what would happen if you took, because in Vietnam, everything's pickled, you know, and they don't have a lot of like different produce. So the idea is what if we put, like a modern supermarket or like an American supermarket in the middle of Vietnam, what kind of dishes would they create? And that's kind of what we've been working on. Mm, that's, that's a super cool idea. Wow. One of my, one of my favorite, you know, Vietnamese like sandwiches, like a banh mi sandwich, you know, I was wondering, oh, like, banh mi, yeah. I was like, yeah. do you, what, what kind of like banh mi related uh, items do you like to like make? Or do you, or like, is there like a banh mi equivalent in a sense? All right. So you, let's be real. You have acting, you know, entertainment, chef, and then like, it's very encouraged in the show. Like Asian kids have to do well in school and go to college. Do you see yourself, yeah. you know, going to college one day? I, I do. I did. I do. Um, you know, right now the whole college idea seems kind of crazy because who's going to pay, you know, the, the incredible amount of money it is to go online college. That's not what people want. Totally. Right. So I was thinking like, if I do go to college and, I, and I'm going to apply to a couple of places and I get in, if Corona's still going on, I'm going to take a gap year. Probably get a job somewhere or go travel. My, my, my dream was always to finish college and then go travel around the world working at different restaurants and in every place I can just to like learn different like, you know, culinary skills and different way people cook and then, you know, take those ideas and make my own restaurant. Um, that was my whole dream. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe I'll have to push that ahead of time, push that schedule forward. So You are a part of a group. Um, called uh, Act to Change. Can you, yeah. and you recently, you recently joined the advisory council for that, right? Yeah, yeah. So Act to Change is a, a group that kind of speaks out against bullying, especially like against the Asian community and stuff like that. And, and I've spoken on their panels a lot and I've become part of the advisory and I really am kind of focused on kind of, kind of trying to fix this because bullying is a huge issue. And especially with the like influence of technology where cyberbullying and all this stuff has become way 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 easier i just think it's really important that someone and a bunch of people actually speak out against it because bullying has now kind of transgressed to, to a new level right now people are getting bullied not just for their ethnicity but because they're being blamed for a whole disease like that's kind of crazy when i was being bullied i was being bullied because i was asian i was being bullied because i was fat but i was ever bullied because of something my race like because of like the a virus I mean, that's just kind of ridiculous and now just things are getting to a whole new level over. It's getting kind of dangerous. And I'm really happy that I was put on the environment so I can speak out more about 
fooling how to fix it and, and the impact that it has against like young souls, mainly like older souls. With the current administration, Asians have been targeted more. And then like, especially with things called like the Kung flu virus, it's just like, how, Disgusting. how I hate that. Yeah, I, I exactly. But it's just like because of the way that they've addressed it, uh, like it seems like more uh, Asian people in America are specifically being targeted with different kind of hate crimes or racial slurs. How, have you seen any of these in person? Uh, definitely. I mean, my dad, I wasn't there, but my dad did go to the, the store and he was going to buy a bunch of stuff. And when he was there, he was like called like a chink. He was coughed on. Like it's just so much stuff. Like it's disgusting. Like I never thought it would happen to my family or to someone in my direct family. And hearing my dad come back and say like all the stuff that happened, he was kind of like stunned. It enraged me. I mean, I've been called a chink before. I've been called dumpling boy. I've been called like a bunch of different slurs. And I mean, I'm not super mad about it, but when it happens to someone that I really care about, like my father or my little brother, that's when I get really, really mad. And it like, hate the huge stuff like that yeah i mean I, th I think that brings up such a great point where it's like you it's like you can almost tolerate it when it happens to you but when you see it to people in your community it's like yeah you don't it's like you want to you want to step up more compared to if it's happening to you but it's like right i think i think it's at the same time because i've been i'm half japanese so i've, I've been bullied and right. people have said like oh i'm gonna drop an a-bomb on your house or some stupid thing like that you know yeah but it's like and like i shook it off but it's like it's it's at a point where it's like we we see it with other people and if they if they can do it to us then it's almost like they can see like they can do it to other people so it's like right it's almost like i think we're starting to see in our minds and also like from the paper your dad wrote that it's like if it's if we see it happening to us we have to start talking up so it stops happening right. to our community because if we don't what happens is they think they can get away with it if they if they make fun of someone hurt someone's feelings or whatever they bully someone and then nothing happens to them they're like oh wow there's no punishment i can just do this as much as i want and that's when yeah, that's how bullies start. Dude, see, I was, I was not thinking like this when I was 16. Like, you were even <laughs> mad. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, that's great. And so you're out here fighting injustice. And, you know, there's, there's so much injustice in the world. Let's be real. So much. Yeah, honestly. And, and it's just like we want to keep on fighting for positive change, for just like more equal representation all like throughout the entire spectrum. Yeah. But that's hard. And, it should, and it, sometimes it feels like our work isn't always heard or isn't always like getting places. And a lot of people are burning out and like, or they're not staying sane and they're not being like, I need to continue this fight. How do you like keep yourself on such like a calm, generous kind of level so that you are continue to fight for the fight against these injustices in a time when it's just like so stressful i mean i think the main thing is the kind of the drive that i have and the reason why i do this i mean it's for my family right um when i the reason why i don't get burnt out fighting for you know like just my race is because i think about my little brother he's growing up in this world and he's been bullied before already and i don't i want that to stop like when i when i get tired of what i do which i don't usually i just think about my brother and say holy crap if I let this pass and no one else fights for it. My brother's going to grow up in a world where he's, he's, he's freely able to be bullied and assaulted without much repercussion. And I think about my grandparents, right? My grandparents are old. They can't really defend themselves. And in New York, where my grandparents live right now, there are elderly people being assaulted, thrown around, beat up. And I think if, if someone doesn't fight for the Asian community, for representation, for a voice, then that's going to be allowed to happen. My parents are going to be allowed to be pushed. My grandparents are going to be allowed to be pushed around. And it just, 
it just drives me. Like there's a fire lit in my heart every time I think about that. That makes me want to push harder and fight harder until like this is gone rid of. And I haven't done enough. I know I haven't. I know there's so much more I can be doing and I haven't done it yet. And I will be doing it. I'll be trying my hardest because it's tough. And there's a lot that I should be doing that I haven't done yet. And I'm just going to keep on driving towards it. We'll see. Dude, that's, that's inspirational. Like, not just to the Gen Zs, but that should be inspirational to like all the generations, like from like people your age to people who are like 90. Like, we have never done enough. Like, let's be real, our country is built on foundations of racism. And so mm-hmm. it's just like, there's always work to be done. And it's just like, no, nah, I think you're, you're such, you're, you're a per, like, thinking back way back to when you were nine years old, essentially, I think they picked the person, Eddie Huang, to not only carry the role in the show, but to carry like a very active role outside of the role as well. And you're proving everyone right in that manner. Thank but, you. and you, you talk about how you see like all your activism is driven by like your brother, your family and whatnot. And then like, uh, let's talk about your, let's go back to your show family a little bit. Like you got two little brothers on that show. Uh, yeah. You had, let's see, their real names are Ian Chin and Forrest Wheeler, right? Yep. And so did you, were, are, they, are they around your age? Are they like a little younger or like, did you see them as little brothers in a sense? Cause that's how they were on the show at least, but. Forrest seemed more like an older brother than a younger brother. Kind of whack. Um, Ian was a lot, definitely felt like a younger brother. We kind of, me and Forrest kind of treated him like a younger brother a little bit. We were messing with him, teasing him, having fun on set, but you know, at his expense. Not like, yeah, we were just kind of messing around, tickling him a lot. He was, he's very ticklish. It's very funny. You go like this in front of him, like not even touching him, he starts laughing. Just like hilarious. pretend it's like, well, he starts breaking up. Storyline of the show transitions. It almost takes like a flip-flop kind of role where it's like Ian plays the role of the little bro- yeah. of the older brother technically. So did you guys keep on messing around with him in that sense? Or did you like, all right, we'll oh, give him his for time. For sure, if anything, more so. Because he was like, he left, the, he left the scene and was talking all like big. He was like, he was kind of being a little more adult. He was using big words. And we just make fun of him for using those big words. He's like, he thought it'd be cool. But then we'd like, he'd maybe use one wrong one time. And then we'd use it wrong on purpose in front of him. It's kind of funny. But no, he, 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 we. With the, the entertainment business being shut down right now, because, you know, like COVID 19 and yeah. all those, all those regularities and blah, 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 blah. Um, you, you saw Hollywood pre COVID 19. What are like some changes you would like to see in like the future of Hollywood, essentially, at, like post COVID 19? I mean, there's a lot that needs to be changed. Um, one thing that I have been noticing is that Asian American representation has been increasing and it's incredible. Uh, like with all these new shows telling stories about Asian Americans, people are starting to realize, hey, you know, Asian Americans are actually profitable. We can actually do more shows, do more of this and that. And it's not just Asian Americans. There's not enough representation for like, you know, like Latinos and just every other race besides. Like we, everyone talks about, oh, not enough Asian or black representation on TV, but then we kind of forget about all the others, like, there was just one show that I loved. Like, I think it was, like, called Cristela or something like that on, on ABC. And that was a great show, but it only made it past, like, I think the second season. And that was a shame. And, you know, I think I do advocate for Asian American representation even more so now today. But also, I want to shout out, like, you know, we need more Latino representation and Mexican representation and Indian representation on TV in American culture. We have none of that. So just hoping for a change. In that That's totally. I mean, there's there's – a huge Black Lives Matter movement happening. And it's been happening, I mean, it's happening for years, but it's like, especially grew recently. And then yeah. I've been seeing also a big movement for uh, BIPOC representation, Black, Indigenous, person of color. So it sounds like 
you're it sounds like you kind of like support those movements of like more representation oh, definitely. For yeah. all those wow yeah absolutely i think i agree 100 percent with you and it's just like seeing fresh off the boat getting six seasons and then like i don't want to say it's your competition but it's kind of like your tele your television cousin kim's convenience is also yeah. another, is another show have you got have you been able to like interact with other uh characters from the like not characters but other actors from those shows as well oh yeah no i've been acting with those guys for like forever we know each other pretty well and i mean i went to I, we went we did like it was really just me and the whole kim's convenience crew we like we flew to boston and we had to do an interview there so it was just me and those guys so they kind of taking care of me i was like they're they're like babysitting me or something but it was fun i mean steve lu also is a great guy he's really awesome i'm so glad he's like gonna be shang chi he's super cool he's one of, he's also another one of my uh <laughs> models Especially because of his like uh, muscles, <laughs> but um, you know he we I played basketball with him a lot. We did like two prof uh not two um like celebrity basketball games together, and um I, I got trounced. But I mean, <laughs> he's a cool guy. He's really fit, and I've been asking for tips. But you know he's just like, oh, I do whatever I want. My metabolism is just incredible. And it pisses me off a little bit, but <laughs> so yeah, I've been working my own to that. But I'll catch up to him one day. That's my goal. Dude, I can't wait for the day when you guys like play another celebrity basketball game and you just like score all the points. I like, just cross cross oh, yeah. him up, break his ankles. Like. Oh yeah, I've been practicing a lot. So you know, next time, invite me back. Just gotta get crossed up a little bit. And you got you know, you gotta get those muscles too. Just beat them exactly. around a little bit. Exactly. Man, no, that that's that's great because it's just uh, it is. It seems like it, Hollywood is very. It's. I mean, I'm not a Hollywood actor like like you, but it's just like it, from an outsider's point, it does seem like it's like. Oh, you have your Asian shows, you have your uh, black shows, and you have your shows, which are typically more like your white shows in a sense. And it's like great to see all of these like Asian shows being represented. Your family in the show is Chinese Taiwanese, and then like Kim's yeah. Convenience represents more like a Korean ethnicity. Do you think? Uh, and it's really cool because it's not even just being Asian shows anymore; it's breaking into the specific culture of those yeah. Asian heritage, and. I don't know. I think I, I like both of the shows. They both make me laugh. But do you do you would you, would you see like any other shows, uh, not highlighting a specific Asian uh, culture, but like kind of like being influenced, like how Fresh Out the Boat and Kim Convenience were? Do you do you see like any other races maybe being like shown, or would you prefer to like to have like a Japanese show or like maybe like a Thai or like a Nepal one, or it's like compared to like maybe a an Asian culture and like a first world country like Japan versus maybe like an Asian culture country in like Nepal or like somewhere that's like a, not as um, developed in a sense. Would you prefer to see, which one would you prefer to see in a sense? <laughs> I, I prefer to see any of those come up because there's none, none of those really. If any Asian culture, if any culture that hasn't been represented enough shows up on TV, I'll be ecstatic, I'll be happy. But I mean, I had to happen. Um, they were talking about like an Indian spinoff, fresh off the boat. That kind of got some weird looks because of kind of how it shows them. But, you know, I'm excited for it. We'll see how that happens. Um, I mean, I'm ready for anything. I mean, a tie show would be great. All these stories that have yet to be told are still out there. So if anyone who's, like, writing a script or wants to direct just goes like, looking for those stories, they'll find incredible stories that, have just, that are just sitting there unused, untapped potential, you know? Totally. Did you go to Taiwan for shooting? Or, like, what, what was that experience like traveling, the country, or traveling around for the show? That was the only time we traveled for the show. Okay. Uh, every, you know, when, when we were in Los Angeles, like when we were supposed to be in Disney, we were on on lot. We were just in the parking lot. Um, but yeah, we actually went to Taiwan that that, that season, and it was 
crazy. Um, the funny thing, too, was an airplane flight. I'll never forget it. Ian, as you know, is a crazy plane junkie. He knows everything about planes, loves everything about planes. So he knew exactly what was going on. A week before we got on the flight, he called in and ordered, like, the fanciest food you could get because he was first class and it was paid for by the show. And so we went on the flight and I was sitting next to him. And all of a sudden he gets a plate of lobster and caviar and like, like <laughs> a, a bubbling cider. I was like, what the hell? I got a burger. I literally got like a microwave burger and he got lobster and caviar. And I sat there looking to eat that with my cheap burger in my hand and a cup around then. And I was like, Ian, how do we even text tell me that you could do this? And I was just sitting there like, that's messed up. It's messed up. And I ended up eating three cup of ramen that day uh, on that flight. The 16 hour flight. Kid lobster and caviar and steak. And I just, you know, I just sat, my, I just sat watching movies because I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at you. Me, me and Forrest both had like whatever was there. And it wasn't that great. And yeah. my, but besides that, we were also in like, it was super duper hot in Taiwan. I think there was a one fit photo of me that went out of me wrapping my, my face in a towel and walking around like an idiot. But that got out, it was on some website somewhere, it was stupid, but I needed it. It was like 100 degrees every day there, and it was humid as hell. <laughs> and oh. like the walking around is when you walk past a store, the AC's full blast out the door, and it's like so cool. It feels great. But besides that, it was just death. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> yeah, when I'm older. Uh, another place, like, I mean, New York is where I grew up, and that place has been. But I don't know. I mean, specifically, there's not many places that I've traveled to that, like, really inspired me maybe japan japan has a crazy like history and you know the like their gun violence is almost zero because yeah. once i was studying them i think i'm not sure if this is still true but it was true every police officer in japan is trained in martial arts they have a gun but they almost never use it because when they deal with the fight since nobody else has guns it takes like four years to get a gun in japan so only cops have it really and maybe some some select people like officers and soldiers and stuff but instead of like you know shooting someone or pointing a gun at them when they're like fighting, they take a mattress. They wrap them in a mattress and carry them over the shoulders of the police office. That's what I, I've seen a couple photos. It's hilarious. And I just love Japan too, just not because of that, but also because it's super clean and everyone's respectful there. And the human, it's just like kind of like the center of te te technological development in some point, like in a, in a big way. And so if I could live anywhere in Asia, I'd definitely be there. <laughs> Man, I, I feel that. And it's just like, you know, we're going through so much like police reform and like potential of defunding police departments in the US where it's like, hey, maybe we just get rid of all the guns and just start getting a bunch of mattresses out here, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, that's how we just to solve all that's how we solve all of our problems out here. <laughs> but man, you that's that's like I agree. Japan is such a amazing place. Not I mean, I have, I have that unfair bias being half Japanese and whatnot. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a no, it seems like you're well-traveled and just like, I, being half Japanese, I didn't even know all the things you brought up about the police departments in Japan. And so it's just like, it seems like you, I've, I've been gassing you up all the time. You got wisdom, my man, for, for your age and you got passion and you got drive. And it's just like, man, I wish I had everything you had, even though I'm not, I'm not even, I'm like maybe eight years older than you, but still, I still wish I had your drive now. Like, but um, it's amazing. You, you're, I don't want to be like, you're so young, but it's just like for all the accomplishments you've done so far, I think some people couldn't even do that in a lifetime. And so it's just like, do you have any, and like our audience, for instance, is a bunch of actors and creators. And do you by any chance have any advice on like how to get into this, how or not, I mean, everyone, every 
every destination on becoming a performer is uh, as a different route. But yeah. based on the road, uh, based on the route that you've taken, do you have any advice on just like getting into the scene or maybe even just like how to maintain yourself in that scene? Well, I think one thing is, you know, this business is really unfair, right? The thing is, for most people to get into the business, you have to have connection. You have to have, you have to know someone who can, like some director, some whatever, right? And it's also a lot of being in the right place at the right time. On top of that, you still have to have talent. You still have to be able to act. But before all that, before you actually even start acting, you're already fighting. Or you're already pushing to get in. Like, personally, I was lucky because my dad's been a critic for, like, what, 10 years. He's gotten all the connections that I needed. He was a big reason why I was able to start acting because he just said to his friends, hey, my son wants to be an actor. Is anything happening out there? Is any dishes going on? And they put me on one. And like, one of, the, one of his director friends was talking about this movie. And again, it was the right place, right time. Right? I went to the audition. And I did well. I, 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 for my first role, I was flown out to L.A. My first role, first audition, flown out to L.A. It was between me and one other kid. And the only reason why I didn't get that role was because I didn't have enough experience. I hadn't done anything before that. So they're like, oh, you know, we really love you, but we can't really choose you because you haven't acted before. And I was ashamed, but right place, right time. They were like, you know what? But we did, we were recently talking to some of our Asian friends who were looking for someone. So why don't you go out and audition to be, for them to be an agent? So I went out and I just to be, uh, to be, you know, casted by, or the, for them to like, be my agent. And I got it. And so after getting an agent, things became a lot easier. They started putting me out for roles and eventually put me, put me off fresh on the boat. And the, yeah. But I think my main tip is that even though this business is really unfair and it's really hard to get into, you just got to keep on trying. There's always, a, there's always is a path. There's always one way in. Uh, every door that closes in your face, it just, there's another door open somewhere else. You know? And, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a bad person to give advice because I've been really, really, really lucky. Like, half of it is luck, basically. It's half of it's annoying people. So it's just like, and like, you got the talent for it. So, it, that, I mean, everything you said makes point. That makes perfect sense. But I think it's just, I think it's a good thing to talk. Like, can you remember all the auditions you went on before you auditioned for Fresh Off the Boat? Yeah. <laughs> like, every single one was really important to me because, you know, those were like the first thing that I ever did. Those were the first people I ever met, right? Um, I think I did like seven before or four. I don't know. I, I don't remember the amount, but I remember each one I did. I don't know if it was before or after Fresh Off the Boat, right? And there's three that I first remember was Mr. and Pete. Oh, there was a role I got before Fresh Off the Boat, which was like my second edition called The Sisterhood of Night. A small movie. It was on Netflix for a while. Nobody watched it. Very embarrassing. I had two lines, but I was a little, little baby. I was a little baby. I really was. Um, you can watch it if you want, but it's called The Sister. I'm going movie. to now, man. You told me to. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a, I mean, every single role that I did, every single role that I auditioned for just prepared me for Fresh of the Boat, right? And so that's the same for everyone else. Every role that you audition for is just preparing you for the next role that you might get, right? Dude, that's key. It's just like, it's I, and when I'm in New York, I'm auditioning for Broadway shows, but it's like, and I clearly haven't booked any yet, but it's like every single time you go in for an audition, I feel like you learn something new or just like it preps you for the next one, right? Or that, that's what it sounds like you're saying. And I was like, I resonate very tough with that. I agree 1000%. And it's, and, I, and you bring up a great point where it's like, yo, just because you didn't make it in one audition doesn't mean you're not going to make it, right? Exactly. Man. Yeah. I mean, I think I, that's a, that's a huge point because a lot, there's a there's like that famous saying where it's like being an actor, you, you have to, you know, be, get used to being rejected because yeah. 
half like if you're not in a show you're only auditioning and like you're gonna get turned down by a lot of those auditions essentially I, one of my friends talking like how she got like a thousand she wanted a thousand auditions just to get one role and that one role started pushing her forward but that happens you, you can have thousands of doors closing your face before you actually get into the business but i mean that, if that's what it takes and if you're passionate about acting you're gonna have to do it you know you're gonna have to push through it totally and i feel like it's very similar to just like your restaurant right now too it's just like you have such a strong passion for uh food for cooking and yeah. it's just like in a time where restaurant the restaurant and entertainment business are kind of like going downhill because yeah. we can't have like in person what yeah. in person anything it's just like it seems like your passion isn't only carrying your acting and performance and like creating a uh, career but it's carrying that cooking career as well and i think and i think you're the I'm going to gas you up more time. You're the right person to do exactly all of this. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. and, and it's just like, you have an amazing performing career so far. Amazing. Um, oh my goodness. I just had a cooking, like you're growing your cooking career and you're continuing to learn from it. And it's just like, you're also doing very well for uh, like fighting injustice and whatnot. Are there any like organizations or groups that you would like to just like, shout out and think like they're doing like great work the hundreds of black Lives matters movements out there i mean the one particular that really stands out to me that i really love is the children's uh, leukemia hospital uh in la especially i mean i think uh, everyone's known someone who's had cancer um both my grandparents died of cancer and i just especially to the children's leukemia hospital i hate to see like people with so much potential to be stuck in a hospital with leukemia. And I think they just, I, I mean, I don't know what you can't do anything. There's not a lot you can do. You can donate, but unless you have the cure for cancer, you have to leave it up to them to be on the front lines, right? So, I mean, yeah, I really support them. I mean, ESOS players, uh, those guys are doing great. The oldest Asian American theater group in LA. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I also, before I did Fresh Off the Boat, I did a couple of plays too. Ooh. Very, very strange. Um, I did East West, uh, not East West, West Side Story. West Side okay. Story. I did, what, what's, what, so, you know, the Sharks and the Jets, you know, were, were you were you like a lead character or were you like one of the people, like one of the... I was Baby John. I think oh, Baby was, John, okay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I also did uh, Beauty and the Beast, where I played Gaston. Uh, okay, so, Mr. Muscles. I see. Ooh, exactly. Mr. Muscles. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those are both very eye-opening to that, and it was tough. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I don't think I could see myself – I mean, I can never see myself getting a singing coach because I want to. I want to get better at singing because I'm t trash. But I don't know if that will happen anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> there was one episode I'm like, oh, I got to ask Hudson about this. Eddie Huang did some freestyle rap in a show. Do you ever see yourself as a rapper or a freestyle rapper as well? Or like, <laughs> funny story. I used to think I was going to be a rapper, right? I used to go on interviews and say, what, what, what do you want to do? I said, I'm going to do a rapper. That's what I'm going to do. And then they'd ask me to say some bars and I'd be like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> it was bad. But, um, you know, yeah, no, I don't like to be a rapper. I, I talk fast, but I can't, can't rap, you know? Oh man, you know, just take some practice, you know, just, you know, take some time in your room alone at times you'd be like, all right, I'm just going to let put on some like cool, put on like a nice like instrumental in the background and just go for I, it. Hour, all the time, you know, plus the music I start rapping and then I, I listen to myself while I rap and I'm like, yo, this is really, really, really cringy. My back shivers. Never do this in real life. 
Man, I think we all hate seeing ourselves perform, especially doing something like like that. Like, I will never record myself singing in the shower because I just know I sound like a whale giving birth. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Are you still in high school? I am. I'm about to be a senior, actually, which is crazy because mm. I started the show when I was in middle school. So <laughs> I was in like sixth grade, and now I'm going to be in 12th grade. I actually mind blowing, but. Man, that, that, that's, that's incredible. And like, you know, once you finally get, you know, your high school diploma, whole new star, you know, you can continue on the routes you want. You can also choose, choose whatever path you want. You're young and you got so much talent and potential in so many fields. But I'm so sorry that you probably have to do your first semester of senior year online, right? Yeah, it sucks because I have not had a normal school experience since middle school. You know, I switched schools almost every year during the show. I went from an online school to a little bit less of an online school to a school that's like 45 minutes away from me that's not online, but I only go there once a week to now a school that I only go to twice a week. So I'm going up, but I'm just trying to get to five times a week, okay? So this Dude. year, the show's over. I'm switching to a real school that's five times a week, except now it's online. So kind of a mess, kind of a mess. My, my uh, stepmom wanted me to retake junior year. Because, like, oh, we won't have a normal school. I was me I was messed up about that. I'm not about to do that. But, like, come on. Come on, quarantine. Get out of here. Get out of our face. Come on, COVID. Come just on, COVID. Man, exactly. And so it's just, like, you know, you, you still have access to all these things. But I feel like, how, how's your social life with, like, people your age? Because, you, like you said, you haven't been able to go to, like, a school like that since you were in middle school. So, like. What? Never heard of that before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's not terrible. I've been to, a, like, in order to kind of get that social experience, I went to a bunch of camps during the summer, and I was able to kind of, you know, get that experience through camp, and I made a bunch of friends through camp. But, like, school-wise, I don't, I don't have, like, in-school friends or anything like that, I, besides, like, the very few that I made in, like, two-day week school. Um, mm. I mean, it's kind of rough. I don't go hang out with my friends at often because the friends I do have from camp live in the Bay Area. So, hey, Bay Area. <laughs> in Los Angeles, so. Ah, oh, man, I feel that. Well, you know, like, since you're, you know, your close social friends are lacking, how about we just put on some premium gasoline for your Instagram and Twitter account? Like, what, where would people find you on these social media platforms? What's your handle? Um, I mean, the main one that I use is Instagram, and that would be uh, Hudson Yang, just my name. Uh, oh. Twitter, it's Hudson D. Yang. And on Facebook, I don't have Facebook, so. That is okay. TikTok, I don't have TikTok. I'm hey, man, I mean, I don't have TikTok either, and it's just like. I'm gone. <laughs> we just I, like, was, I didn't want TikTok was about to get banned, but. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, but okay, sweet. So if you want to see, if you want to, you know, follow Hudson Yang, you know, hit him up at. Hudson Yang on Instagram, Hudson D Yang at Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. Nah, he, he's too good for all that kind of stuff. That's what, I, that's what I'm hearing. He didn't say that. I said that. So <laughs> anyways, oh man, Hudson, thank you so much for chatting with us today on DVD Arts, The Green Room. And congratulations on the historic, successful birth of your career. And let's be real, end of your life. Uh, next time in LA, I'm definitely about to go check out. Sorry, not sorry. You know, get one of your awesome banh mi sandwiches, and also like just see what else you have cooking up in store. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. Like that's 
I, I it's, it's going to be so great just to see just where your career progresses from here on the multiple pathways you have set up right now. And it's like the roads right now, but you're about to make all these freeways, dude. Like, I can't wait to see where your career goes. It's a nice quote. I like that. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just came out on top of my head. Some, some weird thing like that. <laughs> but yeah, it has been such an honor talking with you today. Um, I'm, I'm be real with you. I'm like on season six of Fresh Off the Boat right now. So I'll be excited to see just all the ways that you continue to just like develop as your character as well. And uh, yeah, I hope you continue telling people to wear a mask, you know, and support the arts. Is it, I, 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 that's a good message, right? Wear masks, support the arts. Wear masks, support the arts. Oh, yeah, that was good hand in hand. Well, sweet. Nah. Do you have, like, any closing words you would like to share with all your fans, all the world, anything that you just want to, like, give out to the world right now? I mean, I'll kind of repeat a lot of what we said earlier. You know, try to stay away from bullying. Wear a mask. Stay safe. I mean, keep on trying. Never give up on anything, even if it's not acting, even if it's just any hobby that you have. If you enjoy it, keep it up. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's been a great talking to you, dude. I've learned a lot about myself just during this interview. Just... I talk so much and I start thinking, wait, that's true. I like that. Yeah, I learn a lot about myself. Learn about more about me. And I'm really glad I did this interview. Um, yeah. it, is, it has been such an honor meeting you. And like I said, I can't wait to go to your restaurant later on. Like, ooh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs>